quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. A Republican tax bill is almost a done deal. Now we wait for the signature. The battle in Congress goes on with the spotlight turning to the deadline to avoid a government shutdown. And the president's son, Donald Trump Jr., floats a new conspiracy theory. This is the State of America tonight. We had a historic victory for the American people. The motion is adopted without objection. The motion to reconsider is laid upon the table. It will be an incredible Christmas gift for hardworking Americans. The Tax Cuts and Jobs Act is passed. We can't sell this to the American people. We ought to go into another line of work. This is serious stuff. We believe you're messing up America. There are people at the highest levels of government that don't want to let America be America. That was a little scary. That is an appeal to the heart of autocracy. Hello, I'm Joe Johns, live in Washington for Kate Baldwin. To our viewers watching around the world, this is the State of America tonight. We're minutes away from the president celebrating his single major legislative accomplishment since he took office 334 days ago. Soon, Donald Trump will hold an event at the White House to mark the passage of a massive tax overhaul bill. The official version of the law will be later, uh, ready sometime later. It's passage went nearly as planned, which brings us to that famous phrase uttered by Ronald Reagan years ago, trust but verify. For Republicans, those three words took on a whole new meaning during the last 24 hours after they thought the tax bill was a done deal. Instead, after a Senate correction, they had to go through the process all over again. The yeas are 224 and the nays are 201. The motion is adopted without objection. The motion to reconsider is laid upon the table. During a cabinet meeting, President Trump thanked lawmakers who made it happen and hailed that vote as a win for the nation. We had a historic victory for the American people. The heart of our bill is a tremendous amount of relief for the middle class, including a doubling of the child tax credit and a nearly doubling of the standard deduction. That's going to be tremendous for people. They're going to start seeing the results in February. Okay, but wait a second. How exactly did we get to the point where the House needed to do a do-over? CNN's Phil Mattingly explains. Some problems cropped up, and most notably, the Senate budget rules. And those rules have caught two specific provisions, and get this, the title of the bill as being problematic before it can actually move forward. So those will be stripped out. Despite that unexpected drama, getting the bill passed may be the easiest part. Now Republicans have to go back home and convince skeptical voters, 55% of whom are against the plan, according to the latest CNN polls. If we can't sell this to the American people, we ought to go into another line of work. I think this is an important accomplishment for the country that people will value and appreciate, but obviously it requires us 
continuing this discussion uh, with the American people, and we're all going to be doing that uh, all through the year. And Senator McConnell's fellow Republicans sound optimistic about their chances of doing that. The polls and everything, I think, were, were sort of fallen prey by the rhetoric and some of the confusing numbers that were out there. But come next year, when people start getting their paychecks, they're going to see the results of this and they're going to realize we came through on what we said we were going to do. We're staking our future on this. Um, and I think that history dictates and this economy has dictated that you lower regulation, you let people spend more of their money as opposed to bureaucrats in Washington, where yeah. I'm at right now. We do better as a country and families do better. So I, I think this is going to work. On the other side of the aisle, the Senate's top Democrat did not mince words when talking about the lasting political impact. Republicans will rue the day they pass this bill and the American people will never let him forget it. Okay, that's quite the prediction from Chuck Schumer, but the Senate minority leader might be onto something, perhaps. As CNN polling shows, 56% of registered voters favor a Democrat over a Republican in their congressional district. That's an 18-point advantage, the widest Democrats have held in our polling on the midterms. But there's a lot of time between now and November 2018. So while Democrats may want to trust those numbers, they probably should verify with voters. Now, moving on to a claim that maybe you trust or don't trust, but definitely should verify that the government will stay open for business as the Friday deadline to avoid a shutdown looms. Today, Gary Cohn, the president's top econ economic advisor, said there's no need to worry that Congress will pass a temporary measure and then revisit any outstanding issues at the start of 2018. Some of those outstanding issues include Obamacare payments, the size of a disaster aid package, funding for domestic programs, and military spending. One Democratic lawmaker acknowledges that the congressional to-do list is pretty long. There's a lot on our agenda here, Wolf, that hasn't been dealt with. Uh, and as we get to the end of this calendar year, there is a risk that a miscalculation or a failure to negotiate in good faith between the parties could lead to a government shutdown, which I think would be a big mistake. But the Republican chair of the House Freedom Caucus says he doesn't think the government will close up shop when that Friday deadline hits. I don't see any danger of a shutdown, but I do see a whole lot of, of maybe changes in the way that we approach the spending, whether we do the supplemental uh, as a different standalone bill, along with a number of items. But in the end, we're going to get it done. We're going to stay here, even if we have to stay through Christmas to get it done, to make sure that we uh, do what's right on behalf of the, uh, uh, the American public. guess we're going to just have to stay tuned to stay tuned on that one. For Donald Trump Jr., there's a bizarre new claim he probably hopes everyone just trusts and never verifies, a bizarre conspiracy theory about Bob Mueller's Russia probe. My father talked about a rigged system throughout the campaign, and people are, oh, what are you talking about? But it is, and you're seeing it. There is, and there are, people at the highest levels of government that don't want to let America be America. Trump Jr. made those remarks last night to a group of young conservative activists in Florida. And in an interview with CNN, the former head of the CIA expressed shock at the comments. That was a little scary. I mean, that, 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 is, a, that is an appeal to the heart of autocracy and, and, and challenging the, the patriotism of, of those folks who, who work in, in the United States government. Look, 
We've got good institutions in this country. They're, they're imperfect. They make mistakes. We have imperfect people who send messages they shouldn't send. But that in no way undercuts the legitimacy of these institutions. And at least one analyst was puzzled, not just by Trump Jr.'s theory, but one particular phrase. The highest levels of government is a pretty specific characterization. Mm -hmm. You can't at this point, it, it, we're really in a different place than we were 10 months ago. You can't point to that many people who are at the highest levels of government who his dad didn't put there. So right. who is he talking about? Right. And finally, to a topic that, if it were ever verified, would probably excite and intrigue some of us while scaring the rest. I am talking about unidentified flying objects, a subject that got a huge boost this week after we learned that the Pentagon actually funded a program to study their possible existence. But at least one noted scientist says the hysteria may be a bit premature. It's a flying object, and we don't know what it is. I would hope somebody is checking it out. I would hope there's a program of our Defense Department to make sure they do not pose a threat. And sure enough, that's what that program was. People are uncomfortable not knowing, not the scientist. I'm fine. We don't know what it is. Keep checking it out. Okay, but hold call on me, a second. There's call another me question. when you have dinner invite from an alien. And there you have it, folks. UFOs are no big deal unless a dinner date with an alien is involved. Now, if that dinner date is scheduled with President Trump at the White House, trust me, that's when I say that's something we would all want proof of. All right, so let's go over to the White House where they're getting ready for that big celebration on the tax bill. Abby Phillip joins us live. Hi, Abby. Hi, Joe. Good afternoon. So the president is going to be giving, doing a really big victory lap in just a couple of minutes um, back here at the White House. This is a big moment for him. The first time he's really had the opportunity to say that he's gotten a major legislative achievement through uh, both chambers of Congress and it's on his way, on its way to his desk very shortly. Uh, now, the White House is, uh, gave a little bit of a preview of this when the president spoke a little bit to the press earlier this morning. He talked a lot about the things that he, he and his administration have accomplished, uh, cutting down down on regulations, putting in federal judges into place, and of course, um, this tax bill. And he also had a lot of blame for the Democrats. We heard from a senior administration official today that the White House uh, spoke to up to 70 Democrats in the last couple of weeks, and not a single one was willing to vote for this bill. That could be in part because this tax bill is not particularly popular, at least not right now. The question going forward for the White House and for President Trump is going to be, can he convince America? that this bill is good for them, not just big, good for corporations and the wealthy. Uh, and can he use that as momentum to get more things done in 2018 than he was able to accomplish this year? He sure does have quite a sell job right there. Thank you so much for that, Abby Phillip. I think not particularly popular is an understatement at this stage. Coming up, President Trump and congressional Republicans score their first major legislative victory. But there's not much time to gloat. Our panel will look at the passage of the tax bill and what comes next. Republicans have been looking forward to passing tax legislation all year, probably for many years. But Democrats think they can turn this week's votes to their political advantage. The panel tonight, Andre Bauer, CNN political commentator and former lieutenant governor of South Carolina, Brad Woodhouse, is a former communications director for the Democratic National Committee. 
Nathan Gonzalez, CNN political analyst and editor and publisher of Inside Elections, and Jim Garrity, senior political correspondent for the National Review. So I guess uh, just sort of throw this out there because people have been talking about it uh, so much. If you look at this thing very closely, uh, corporations and the shareholders probably uh, get the biggest benefit out of this with the tax rate going from 35 to 21 percent. That's a big deal uh, for these companies. So I guess the question is, how hard is it? And I'll ask you, Andre, uh, how hard is it to sell this to the American public, given the issue that corporations get so much? Well, I don't think it's that difficult of an, of an issue to sell. Right now, we've seen the economy get better. We've seen the stock market get better. Look, people like my stepmother, who's a retired school teacher, she's better off because of what's happening in that stock market. Part of it is indicative of what has just passed. People see a brighter future. When people get this money next year and they have money in their pocket and they continue to see the economy do better, I think you'll see the Republicans do better. Right now, they have not done the best job they could have of selling this. In fact, I think the Democrats have done a better job of not selling it um, and so they've got a little bit of an image problem to fix. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, uh, Brad, look, you're, you're the message guy. Well, Tell me the Democratic message next year. And by the way, yeah. I think you look at the numbers right now, and this tax bill is running so poorly, it has only room to go up. It's probably going to be more popular this time next year than it is now. The, the fact is, I don't think there's any chance that this is going to be more popular next year. The, the Republicans overpromised. The, uh, President, uh, President Trump said this is the biggest tax cut that, that the American people have ever seen. 80% of people will get less than a 2% increase in their after-tax income. And there has never been a case where the American public is grateful for such a small tax cut. Put on top of that the fact that CHIP may end, that, uh, that there are millions of people are going to see a rise in their, uh, their health care premiums. And the, the, the message has already sunk in that it's corporations and Republican donors that make out like bandits. I mean, look at the, look at the polls. We were debating this uh, tax bill when the Virginia uh, and, the, and the New Jersey and the other races in November occurred. We were debating this tax bill when Alabama occurred. All of that went against Republicans. It's only going to get worse. Nathan, you buy that. It's only going to get worse. Of course he does. Well, <laughs> I think there are a couple of things. Um, I, I'm not sure that it's ever going to be popular, but I'm not sure that it has to be popular in order for it to be a political win. I mean, if, if the president can use this to keep the Republican base intact, the Republican base, his supporters showing up to vote in 2018, Republicans might have a bad night, but not a catastrophic night. Because if, if the president's supporters don't believe that Congress is supporting his agenda, they believe that they're part of the problem and they don't show up in 2018, that's when Republicans start getting swept out up and down, up and down the ballot. But this is being portrayed as a legislative victory. The battle is really going to be next year and who can convince the voters about what's really happening in their own pocketbook. Jim, yeah, and before we get all the way to next year, if you look at this thing, uh, which is it? Have Democrats just done a great job at trashing this bill? Or is there some merit to the argument? Brad and his colleagues are the very best trashers you will find. Um, <laughs> look, you know, I, I think it was the Wall Street Journal poll said so only 18% of Americans think they're getting a tax cut out of this. Now, most people who have nonpartisan organizations look at it and say it's closer to 70, 80. So a lot of people are like, ah, those bums in Washington, they're just helping themselves. I'm not going to get anything out of this. Come February, when the payroll tax changes go through, oh, wait a minute. Oh, I did pretty good. I got a little more of my, my, tax, uh, my uh, paycheck this month. They're going to feel better about that. Now, is this going to turn into a huge win? I don't know. I do notice that right as we are coming on this stage, AT&T announced that it's going to give a $1,000 bonus to, to 200,000 of its employees out of the windfall that they're getting out of this. Now, 
It just so happens AT&T wants a merger, so maybe they want to be on a really good <laughs> there you go. hey, Don't you guys That's love us? Aren't we a great corporation? But one of my biggest concerns was, were corporations going to take this windfall? And what were they going to do with right. it? Were they going to put it into raises? Were they going to hire new people? Or just give it back to the shareholders? Or let's sue the bejesus out of each other yeah. and waste it all on lawyers or something like that. Right. No offense to any lawyers. Yeah. Yeah, well, okay. One thing, all right, well, but, these before, before, before you just hold that thought for one minute, I just want to point out what we're looking at. This is members of Congress, mostly uh, in all likelihood, all Republicans who have gone in the buses over to the White House. They're now on the South Lawn gathering there waiting uh, for the celebratory event with the president. Uh, now, the president had billed this on Twitter as a possible news conference, and we know journalists are certainly going to be there, but I think the question really is whether journalists are going to get an opportunity to ask a question or if uh, it's just going to be a celebration. Anyway, now back to your thoughts. So there are all these comparisons to 2010, right? When Democrats passed a polarizing piece of legislation with the Affordable Care Act, they ended up getting destroyed in the 2010 elections. I remember. <laughs> you were there. <laughs> um, one thing, though, that I think is interesting, I don't think Democrats did uh, much of a selling job. I don't think the president, President Obama at the time, really spent much time selling that piece of legislation when it was passed. I think President Trump, one thing we know about him, he likes to be in front of the crowds. He likes to be at these events. He's going to be out there making a push that I don't think Democrats did a great job of back in 2010. And he's going to find companies that come back, that spend money, repatriate money back in this country to show people clear examples of where new jobs were created. Now, one thing we also want to point out while we look at the members of Congress gathered there on the South Lawn is their work is not over yet. A lot of people all planning to go back home for the Christmas holiday. The president planning to go to Florida, presumptively. They still have to worry about a spending bill and getting that and not shutting down the government. Do we think this is going to be a problem at this late stage? Well, well let, let, let me say, this, this is the most interesting thing, I think, outside the tax bill that's happening this week. And this is where Republicans really become exposed. Their lack of their ability to govern. And, you know, they are depending on Democrats uh, to bail them out. They won't be able to pass any bill uh, to, to fund the government, even temporarily, without the acquiescence of at least some Democrats in the Senate. Now, they could cobble something together for a very short-term continuing resolution that may pass with only Republican votes uh, in the House. But ultimately, when we get to January, if we get there, uh, they will not be able uh, to pass a spending bill. The Republican Party controls the House, controls the Senate, controls the White House, can't pass a spending bill without the opposition party. Th their problems in governing are going to be exposed throughout the course of this year on all of these big button and, items. And was, uh, I'm going to have to let you guys weigh in on this after the break, but the one thing I did want to say is uh, watching these folks out here on the lawn, we're going to continue to monitor the developments at the White House. Take a break and uh, come right back in a moment. We want to be able to see through who's on the other side of the wall. And we have some wonderful uh, prototypes that have been put up. And uh, I may be going there very shortly to look at them in their final form. And we'll be building the wall and we'll be doing lots of other things. Lots of other things. So what are those things on Donald Trump's agenda now that his huge tax cut has passed? Well, it sounds like there's a lot he wants to do, including the wall. But with the midterm elections coming up next year, will he be able to rally Republicans 
to get more done. Now let's go back to the panel, but I, I did want to ask you, there was one more thing you wanted to say well, about I, I would. I'll, government I'll, shutdown. I'll give the Democrats a little bit of credit. They are very good at getting all their members to vote together. Where Republicans are more independent thinkers. When I served in the legislature, <laughs> it was much harder for leadership to convince because you had folks like me that were almost free, really free market, almost to the libertarian in the Republican Party, and we weren't just going to do whatever the leadership told us. We were going to fight them a lot of the times, and that's where the problem is not the difference in the two parties. When you talk about things like continuing to kick the, the can down the road on budgeting, I'm one of these guys that says, we need to wrap our hands around it. We don't need to keep taking this on and just piecemealing it. It needs to get done. It needs to get done the right way. So uh, we have a big day, obviously, here at the White House. We have concerns about getting the government up and funding at least through the middle of January. And then the question, of course, is what's next? And uh, our Kevin Liptak, sort of the guru of producers for CNN over the White House, has picked up that the first week of January, members of the Republican Party are going to meet with the president and they're going to talk about the way forward. Among the things we hear on the agenda, some type of a job training bill for welfare, something having to do with the president's plans on infrastructure. And then there's the issue of the wall. The president says he's going to go out to San Diego. In a midterm year, with immigration being such a hot button issue and the president's approval ratings being so low, is it problematic for him to wade too far into that? Because, yeah, he'll get the base going, but he could also sort of excite opponents to, to go out and vote against Republicans who are running for re-election. Thoughts? I think Republicans are, are at the mercy of the president. I mean, it's true that as we get closer to Election Day, the less likely I think something big is going to get done because people are looking at their re-election bids. But the president, particularly in conservative districts and states, is the most popular Republican most popular person in the Republican Party. So these members are looking at their constituents who like the president, even though well, they might some, not personally some like district, him. Some so, districts. Right, right, the conservative yeah. ones, but you know, most yeah. of these districts and states are safely Republican or safely Democratic. And so they're going to feel that pressure. And if the president tweets, hey, we need to build a wall, they're going to have to act. And because he'll turn his fire toward Congress and say they're not doing enough to pass my agenda. Well, so, look, I think if they, if they go this route, if they go, we got to build the wall, and they don't do something on, uh, on DACA, um, it, you know, th there will be some of both inflaming their base and, flaming, and inflaming our base. But, but look, they've got a lot of seats. They've got 24 seats uh, up that were won by Hillary Clinton la uh, last year. They've got a, a growing map of competitive Republican races, not, not a shrinking one. Uh, so if, if all he wants to do is rally the base, there are a lot, of, a lot of Republicans in swing districts in New Jersey and Pennsylvania and in New York and in California uh, that, that might be in big trouble. Uh, Jim, yeah. you've been around a long time, and I mean, those numbers I read at the top about what people are thinking about the members mm -hmm. in their districts, I mean, does that sound like the beginning of a wave? Yeah, if you, the, the, the idea of casting Doug Jones as the Scott Brown of the, this particular cycle uh, seems pretty plausible, and for everything you want to pass in the coming cycle, you're going to have now a 51-seat majority for Republicans, not a 52-seat majority. Not an enormous difference, but enough to make any, anything controversial. I think it's usually going to split along partisan lines a little tougher. That's why I would say I think infrastructure is probably the safest bet. It's the idea that kind of has some Democrats on board. Uh, Trump's a builder. He loves to make things big, beautiful, gold. You know. um, I also don't, don't forget concealed carry reciprocity. Pass the House. Right. I think there's enough votes for it in the Senate. No, you're, uh, are you serious? You what? think concealed carry reciprocity is actually... <laughs> 
No, I, I think I think that there's. You, you think it's like, a winner? NRA convention is in the spring, right? And you okay. do not want to see gun owners staying home. This has been a big part of the Trump coalition that elected Trump. They uh, basically the NRA had a decision. Trump was never a down the line gun, uh, you know, pro gun rights guy. Made some comments in the mm-hmm. past that sounded like gun control, but the NRA placed their chips on him on both gun rights and on the judges, and they, it has worked out for them pretty well. Well, and this is someone where Senator, Democratic Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia, right. Heidi Heikim of North Dakota, where the vice really starts to you know, be on them politically with an issue like that. All right. Hey, uh, thanks so much, guys. A great <laughs> conversation. Really good to have an all-star panel here on this day, which is day 335 of President Trump's administration. That is the State of America tonight. Check out our podcast. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or your favorite app. We'll see you back here tomorrow. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.